Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is God in Country, the collision of faith and politics. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical Rev. Dr. Sean is a proud military veteran, former law enforcement officer, and founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through counseling, elite life coaching, and national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This series is biblically and politically engaged with the pedal to the metal. With today's edition of God in Country, here is host and author of the acclaimed yet controversial book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America. Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Dr. Sean Greener. I am the ninja pastor, as it were, and I am appreciative of you joining me today. Thank you to all of you who joined us on the uh, Facebook Live I did. If you didn't get to see that, go back and look at it on Facebook. Join us up on, excuse me, Facebook. Uh, Chat is open, by the way. It's going to be a very, very different sort of show today. Um, It's going to be funny. uh, It's going to be sad. And it's going to be uh, difficult. And it's going to be helpful. It's going to it's going to be a blessing, and it's going to be rough. So that's the way it's designed to be. Uh, that's just how it is. So you'll find out why in just a moment. But uh, I just want to say, uh, right off the top of the right right from the very beginning here, I want to say that um, this show, the entire show, is dedicated to uh, AO2 Seal Mark Allen Lee. He was killed in action in Ramadi, Iraq, 8-2-2006. Mark Allen Lee is the, I've been to uh, his mom's home. She's a dear friend. Debbie Lee, America's Mighty Warriors. Uh, Really quite amazing. Quite amazing human being. She's done so much with this terrible, terrible thing that's happened to her. So many others I, I know very closely and, and I'm uh, privileged to know as personal friends, and, and, uh, but I consider Debbie a sister, both in Christ and also uh, very, very powerfully in the mission so that our uh, war fighters are never forgotten. So I'm dedicating this show to Mark Allen Lee, uh, Debbie Lee's son, first Navy SEAL killed in Iraq, and I'm also dedicating it to all of the extortion 17 angels who went to be with the Lord. August 6th, 2011. That's coming up on Saturday, the anniversary of that. Uh, what a what a what a powerful, uh, devastating, powerful, devastating thing to have to experience every year. If you don't know what Extortion 17 is, uh, I would remind you of the importance for self-education. It's extremely, extremely important. There is a song, it's called a requiem. Uh, I used to be into singing. 
years ago and um, I've sung in the Navy choir and some other things and uh, used to sing in church and different stuff. I used to sing the national anthem actually a cappella football games, baseball games. I've sung for the Phillies, the, no, never the Phillies, the Flyers, even though I didn't get to see the game, Flyers, uh, the Eagles, uh, several others, I don't know, sang it in uh, Washington, D.C. as well. So um, I won't sing this because, uh, quite frankly, you know, I don't sing as well as I used to. So first in Latin, then in English. In paradisum diducant terangeli, in tuo adventu, Sosupiantie martyrs et parducante in civetum sanctum Jerusalem. Angelorum te susupiat et cum lazoro condom apapiar eternum habias requiem. May the angels lead you into paradise. May the martyrs receive you in your coming. And may they guide you into the holy city, Jerusalem. May the chorus of angels receive you, and with Lazarus once poor, may you have eternal rest. Today, Mark Allen Lee, in 2006, gave his life for his brothers in Ramadi, Iraq, on top of a roof, fighting our enemy. Saturday, August 6th, is the six-year anniversary of the downing of Extortion 17. Please keep these families of all these great heroes in your prayers as they mark this tragic event this weekend with the 31 Heroes Ride in Virginia Beach. If you ride a motorcycle and you're anywhere near Virginia Beach, please consider going and participating or at least cheering them on. And now the names. United States Army, 7th Battalion, 158th Aviation Regiment, Sergeant Alexander J. Bennett, Specialist Spencer Duncan. Warrant Officer Brian J. Nichols. United States Army, 2nd Battalion, 135th Aviation Regiment, Colorado Army National Guard. Chief Warrant Officer David R. Carter. Staff Sergeant Patrick D. Hamburger. United States Air Force, 24th Special Tactics Squadron, Tech Sergeant John W. Brown. Staff Sergeant Andrew W. Harville. Tech Sergeant Daniel L. Zerby. United States Special Warfare Development Group, SEAL Team 6, Gold Team. Petty Officer First Class SEAL, Derek C. Benson. Chief Petty Officer SEAL, Brian R. Bill. Petty Officer First Class SEAL, Christopher G. Campbell. Petty Officer First Class, Jared W. Day. Petty Officer First Class, John Duangdara. Chief Petty Officer Seal, John W. Foss. Chief Petty Officer Seal, Kevin A. Houston. 
Lieutenant Commander Seal Jonas B. Kelsall. Master Chief Petty Officer Seal Lewis J. Langley. Chief Petty Officer Seal Matthew D. Mason. Chief Petty Officer Seal Stephen M. Mills. Chief Petty Officer Nicholas H. Null. Petty Officer First Class Seal Jesse D. Pittman. Senior Chief Petty Officer Seal Thomas A. Ratzleff. Chief Petty Officer Seal J. Reeves. Chief Petty Officer Seal Heath M. Robinson. Petty Officer Second Class Seal Nicholas P. Spehar. Petty Officer First Class Michael J. Strange. Petty Officer First Class Seal John T. Tumlinson. Petty Officer First Class Seal Aaron C. Vaughn. Senior Chief Petty Officer Craig M. Vickers. Petty Officer First Class Seal Jason R. Workman and Navy SEAL dog Bart. May we never, ever forget our nation's heroes. My friends, I want you to understand something very, very important. And I don't think I can stress this any more firmly. These are days the Gold Star families who belong to those names, who love the personalities and the people behind those names. They're what we call gold star families, and they are 
forever the gifters of the greatest sacrifice this nation will ever know. I want to offer as I'm looking at their pictures. Betty Lou Workman has experienced a grief I don't think any wife or mother should ever, ever have to bear. You see, when her son, Jason, was killed in extortion 17, August 6th, 2011. Her husband was by her side. Her dear, dear husband was by her side. Her dear husband was with her when she went to see her son's grave in Section 62. I've been there many times. Arlington National Cemetery, where it reads on the marker, Extortion 17, August 6th, 2011, Afghanistan. Here lie the men of Extortion 17, beloved fathers, husbands, brothers, and sons. Betty Lou was there with her husband, being held by him. Such a sweet man. Mr. Rodney Workman, father of Jason, beloved husband of Betty Lou, friend to many, was killed in a motorcycle accident, memorializing his son. Betty, I, I've, I've thought a hundred times what I might say to you, how I might assuage the pain in some silly way. And I'll be honest with you, I, I, I've struggled with it and struggled with it and struggled with it. And I think probably the only thing that I've been able to wrestle through in my mind is I think the same thing that many people have said. And that is Rodney and his son, Jason, are indeed together in heaven right now. I know that your family is, they're all people of great faith. And there are over a million and a half people probably listening right now to my voice. And we all collectively for the, the families of Extortion 17, for all the war fighters killed while protecting us. And especially for you now, having lost your dear husband, 
we redouble our prayers. We won't relent in our praying for you and for your family. What a blessing that he was to all the world. What a blessing you are to all of us still. And we are glad to have you. You know, folks, when I first started this show, I, I, I said, first doing this radio show at all, I said, folks, I will never forget our war fighters and especially our gold star families. I won't. I just, I can't allow myself to forget it, and I can't allow you to. Because it's, it's too important. So often these families are forgotten. They are, they're, they're forgotten. And it is indeed tragic that we allow that to happen. One of the Gold Star families uh, said to me, America's not at war. No, America's not at war. America's at the mall. Our sons are at war. I have to say, I'm, I'm disappointed in much of America. I am. I'm disappointed. Because, you know, when, when these opportunities come up, to remember, the crowds get smaller and smaller. When things like this pop up, announcements of this pop up on social media, folks just pass on by. No one will see you ignore it. No one will see you past that announcement, not even clicking like, not even sending a, a quick thank you for your sacrifice. It's important. To say that it's important, I think, is a, is a gross understatement, an egregious misstatement of very important truths. We are Americans. And we are to commit to give our fighting force, our war fighters, the best tools, the best training, and the best support of anywhere in the world. you understand that comes at a cost. You've heard me many times on this show. You've heard me many, many times say that we should absolutely. In fact, I did a show. I remember this. I remember I did this, this show. It was, uh, I did a show that was, uh, I'm trying to think of maybe a year ago, two years ago, maybe. And uh, where I said what I would do if I was president. If I were president, this is this is my platform. This is what I'm doing. And I said, you know, <laughs> I would make Congress, I'd make their benefits 
commensurate with our military. I'd make their pay commensurate with our military. I'd make their perks commensurate with our military. Let's see how fast things would change. See how fast it would happen. See, you say, well, I can't go overseas. I'm I'm too old to join the military. I'm not in good enough health or I'm just not a, you know, I'm just not up to the military thing. And thank you for your service, Dr. Sean. But you know what? I, I just never could. You know what? Get in it to win it. Fight to win. On the political spectrum, don't allow. Do not allow our, our government to minimize or devalue in any way. I mean, I mean above words, more, more than words, I'm talking about support. Real support. Don't allow them. You say, what do I do to honor Mark Allen Lee? Well, you go to uh, America's Mighty Warriors and uh, you read Mark Allen Lee's last letter home. It's very powerful. Debbie's been all over the world reading that letter. She's been on probably every network and every talk show and every radio show. And she's dedicated. We've been to the Home for Heroes. We've been, my friend Jerry from Pennsylvania and I, we've, we've been out there and, and uh, it's quite something. Get involved. I'm personally involved with the Michael Strange Foundation and we're going to be doing another, uh, another uh, grief workshop out in Tucson, Arizona, it'll be my honor to speak and, and to help facilitate in one of the workshops, Living Through Grief on Purpose. If you're listening now and you are a Gold Star family or you're dealing with grief, uh, I wrote an ebook called Living Through Grief on Purpose. And I'll send it to you free of charge. If you send me an email or you you, you uh, connect with me on Facebook or Twitter or any of those things, feel free, and uh, I will send it to you immediately. No charge. I think you'll be blessed by it. A lot of tears went into writing that. And so we deliver the seminar that accompanies that um, for different organizations, and the Michael Strange Foundation has been so wonderful to, to uh, invite me to speak. And, and uh, we spoke at one in Ocean City, Maryland, and it was just an absolute privilege. And so we'll be speaking again in October out in Tucson, Arizona. So that's what you can do. Get involved. Don't let your politicians blow smoke up your skirt. Do not, under any circumstances, allow yourself. Let me remind you, these great soldiers didn't quit the fight. They didn't. They're in it to win it. Don't give up on them. Don't give up on our active duty folks. Don't give up on our veterans. Don't give up on our families who far too often seen their loved ones, their silhouette, fade from the doorway, never knowing. when or if they'll be back. You say, I don't know what to do. 
That's what you can do. That's what you can do, my friends. Remember and fight. Remember and fight. And never back down. Folks, I, I just don't know that a lot of folks realize, unless you're involved in this, what I do with the with the families and, and, and being involved in gold star family issues and, and uh, warfighter uh, veteran issues. I mean, I just think that until you know, until you're involved in it, sometimes it's just, it's just, you don't even see it. But I, I guarantee you in your community, there's somebody that's got a soldier deployed right now. And you know, the thing is, is we are still at war. We are still at war. Powerful thing. Let me just tell you what the rest of the show is going to be about today. And I want to, I want to also, first of all, some great news, some really wonderful news. I don't even know. I think they put it out there. It's on social media, but I was very privileged to receive a little picture with a beautiful, I won't say your names on there, but uh, very happened to be my niece and now going to be my nephew. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, really, really lovely news that they are going to get married. And they are engaged, and we are super excited. So Steve from Ohio and Heidi, we're super, super excited. I know I just said your name, but I just realized Steve's out there. So congratulations. That's awesome news. So today, the show, we're going to help Hillary Clinton, not the president, thank God, and President Donald J. Trump. We're going to help them write their books. And you know what? You can help. I don't usually do call-ins, but today's the day. If you want to write this number down, call in today uh, at 646-595-4641. That's 646-595-4641 to chime in with your ideas for the titles of what could be their books. And then also chapter titles. Now, it can be funny. can't be crude, though. I don't have an eight-second delay, so you can't be crude. So it could be funny, could be could be serious, but potential titles for their books and chapter titles. Hey, I, I you know I'll tell you why. I believe I have the smartest and funniest audience listening to radio right now. I really do. I really really do. By the way, hello to everybody in chat. Thank you so much for joining us. I, I do. I have the smartest and funniest audience. I, I think conservatives are are the funniest and smartest and best looking and most industrious. I mean, it's just, where does it stop? It doesn't. But but we need your help. See, we've realized on the help of our good friend, our good friend Hillary Clinton, and our great president, Make America Great Again, President Donald J. Trump, they need our help, and we're the ones that are going to help them. Mrs. Clinton, you know, she needs, she needs help naming the chapters of her new book. It could be tentatively entitled, What Happened? President Donald Trump's tentative title, I guess that could be Make America Great Again is Very Difficult Because dot, dot, dot. By the way, market uh, top day ever in all of history. Thank you, Mr. Trump. Thank you, Mr. President. So I want you to send in your names. But what I'd like for you to do is I'd like you to call in instead of just sending in a message or whatever. Uh, call in. We won't embarrass you. You have to say your name and where you're from. 
basically your state, whatever, be crude. But uh, we'd like to hear it. 646-595-4641. And uh, you could email it to smgreener if you're too shy. Uh, smgreener at gmail.com. Emailing them to um, smgreener at gmail.com. You could do that if you, if you don't want to be on or if you're in chat, you can do, uh, you can send it via chat and we'll read them. We'll read them throughout the show and we'll send the best ones on to Mrs. Hillary Clinton. We'll help her out. We'll help her out. And we're going to send them on to President Trump too, to help him make America great again. I think he's well on his way. Don't you think? I think so. I think he's doing great. I think he's doing great. There's some, there's some things, you know, I, I, I might say uh, I would do differently, but I just don't know. You know, that's a hard job. That's a real hard job. Hey, give a listen to this right quick. We will be back with Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, after these short messages. Welcome back to The Collision of Faith and Politics. Here again is Dr. Sean. Hey folks, sorry about that. We had a momentary blip. I had to reset my computer. I don't know if there's some electrical stuff in the area, but our internet went blip, blip. So I just wanted that what that was, was to just welcome you to the Ninja Pastor Collision of Faith and Politics. And uh, I'd love for you to subscribe to my site at theninjapastor.com. Uh, also, like and follow blogtalkradio.com backslash ninjapastor. Now, when you're at theninjapastor.com, um, you'll see a donate button, and your donations are most welcome. And what they do is they allow me to continue my work as the Ninja Pastor. Please consider a donation of $50 and receive my newsletter, plus a signed book that I wrote called Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, and my ebook, Living Through Grief on Purpose, sent right into your inbox. In addition to the newsletter and books, donations at 500 or above receive all of the above and my personalized bound and signed book of my favorite photographs that to me, and I've taken all of the photographs in there, that to me reveal God's glory in nature and affirm much of what we discuss here at the Ninja Pastor. So visit uh, theninjapastor.com and subscribe and donate today. I sure would appreciate that. That would be awesome. So sorry for that blip. Thank goodness, though, everything reset uh, pretty quickly. So we're, we're back on the track. So the question would be, hey, Alaska, see what, let's see who we have represented here. Uh, just in chat alone, we have Pennsylvania. Uh, we have upstate New York. Let's see here. So we have, we have Alaska. Man, it's awesome. Nothing better. That is awesome. A uh, good friend of mine just got back from Sitka, Alaska, and uh, toured all over the country, toured all over the, well, you could call it a country. You know, it's, it's pretty, uh, it's amazing. If you ever get a chance to go to Alaska, that's the place to go. It is rugged indeed, but I would encourage you to um, really uh, fight hard to get a chance to go there. If you've got to fight hard to go someplace, one place, you've only got one, uh, that would be the place to go. I'm telling you, it's just an amazing place. It's, it's, it's breathtaking, quite honestly, just breathtaking, breathtaking. So 
amazing heavy rainforest in Sitka. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Uh, let's see here. And so let's get started with this because I think it's important. Um, you know, what would you, what would you entitle Hillary Clinton's book? What would you entitle it? How to stay out of jail? Uh, why, why am I friends with so many people who suddenly commit suicide? How to get rich in government? I don't know. You know, I don't know what to say. This is your thing. You guys get to, you guys get to, uh, you get to, you get to say, I mean, you have a lot of say. I'm entitled. There you go. I'm entitled. It's my turn. Those are some good ones. Yeah, she was disbarred. You know, what's interesting is, uh, you know, every every lawyer that becomes a politician that ends up being disbarred uh, or has to surrender uh, uranium aisle two. <laughs> There's a good one. Yeah, it's funny. Don't you think this is funny that uh, for one reason or another, for one reason or another, it seems like the left doesn't, and mainstream media, sorry to be redundant, but they are also the left, they, for whatever reason, are, I don't selectively blind. Yeah, it's my turn with her in a straight jacket. Alaska kicks in with her in a straight jacket in a padded room. Oh, that's funny, isn't it? It's just crazy. It's super, super crazy. Press doesn't even seem to care that. Hillary Clinton, when she was at Department of State, gave away huge amounts of our uranium. Who do you think she gave it to? Russia. Thank you to Doyle for my tea. It's awesome. Very, very tasty. Again, sorry, I'm told, I sent a message to Verizon, our carrier. I'm told that we had a power surge, and that's what shut us down. And thankfully, um, it picked back it picked back up pretty quick. That's pretty awesome. And that's happened before, and, and uh, very rarely, though, to tell you the truth. Uh, but it's never, it's never rebooted that quickly. It's really fast. Well, what about what about some of the titles? You know, well, you know, you can chime in if you have one. Growing up with radicals, my government on socialism. Jerry from Pennsylvania kicks in. <laughs> oh. We see, you know. Let me just let me. I digress, sort of. Not not really, sort of. Somewhat. Uh, you know, Venezuela. As much as two years ago, I was saying. Oh, come on. Uh, Alaska says there's a Facebook page titled Hillary and Michelle for 2020. Ugh, what is wrong with these people? Illiberalism is a mental disease. I mean, it is, it is a mental disease. It really is. I mean, it's just nuts. Sorry, I'm not supposed to use that term. I get in trouble a lot for that. You know, it's, it's, but by the way, this has nothing for nothing, but not for nothing. I just found out one of our listeners who happens to be in Alaska is friends and, knew, and knows my friend that just went there to Alaska. 
Small world. I used to work with that friend that went to Alaska. Small world. <laughs> That's just crazy, man. I, I don't know, folks. I, you know, well, let's just look here. Hold on. Some folks are sending me some. I'll skip over that. My site. Let's see here. All right. So my friends from upstate New York. Uh-oh. Here we go. Oh, my goodness. Oh, this is, this is <laughs> a life as slime. That's Hillary's, that's, that's upstate New York. I'm not sure his wife is listening and is in chat. Did you sign off on this? Did you chime in on this? Like, it seems like maybe, I don't know. This is pretty, oh no, I'm pre-reading this through. Oh, hmm. Okay, so upstate New York. So they're chimed in, and I'm going to read this. <laughs> life, a life as slime. Hillary, a life as slime. So here, are the here are the chapters. The baby nobody would hold but mother. <laughs> Chapter two. Special without the short bus grade school. Chapter three, meeting Slick Willie, my first and only boy toy. Chapter four, public grafting in Washington, Watergate, and working for pedophiles. Chapter five, this is a must-read book, I'm saying. Uh, public grafting in Arkansas, raising an idiot child and bimbo control. Sadly, this is all true, by the way. This is chapter six of the proposed book, Hillary, A Life of Slime, Ch chimed in uh, Craig and Louise. Louise, I'm going to give you credit for this. I'm I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure. Uh, you'll have to disavow this if you have no part of this. I'm just saying. All right. The fleeting, the fleecing of the White House and more bimbo control. That's chapter six. Now, that's I'm guessing that that's an immediate follow on, of course, to. Um, Let's see here. Public grafting in Arkansas. That's a chapter before raising an idiot child and bimbo control. Um, here's chapter number seven. And I like this. This can be pretty good. The party bought me New York and let Bill do his thing on airplanes. Here's chapter number eight. How to screw up world policy and get rich. I like that. That's a must read. Here's chapter number nine. I became a two-time loser and the Russians did it. Now that is a very, very, very good. I think that's going to be riveting. You might have to read that two or three times. I'm just saying. By the way, the cloud formation, we just had a storm. The cloud formation outside is stunning. It is to behold. Okay. And so that, so remember chapter number nine, uh, Hillary, a life of slime, uh, uh, life of slime. Uh, our two New York listeners, uh, they are, uh, let's see here. Hmm. Let's see here. I don't know. I became a two-time loser and Russians did it. Wow. That's, oof, that's judgy. Uh, number 10, chapter number 10, plotting in the woods when I should be queen of the world. Now that's a reference to her going on a little hike after, you know, a couple days after she lost the bid, but she was supposed to win, you know, of course. I'm sure that the book's going to be about that. But let me say, though, I mean, somehow or another, it's not her fault. It's the Democrats' fault, right? It's uh, it's Barack Obama's fault. Some, It's certainly the Russians' fault. We know that. Of course. Of course we know that. 
Of course we know that. Uh, Alaska is chiming in in chat with any idea who's writing the Ford. Hmm. Now we could add that to this. This could be this. Yes. Uh, suggest. Uh, okay. There we go. Jerry says he is a victim. Uh, let's see here. The final chapter. This is chapter number 11. Apparently there's only 11, maybe an epilogue. Um, the final chapter, blasting my ashes to Uranus. Oh, good lands. So I don't see a disavowalment from the misses from New York. So maybe some of those chapters she can own. I, I just don't know. I just don't know. So I think those are some good suggestions. I don't know about you. Uh, I think that's a beautiful thing. And perhaps that's, we might have to forward that to Mrs. Hillary Clinton. Now we know we're not going to forward it via, say it with me, an email. It'll have to be a letter. And I will change the name so that nobody disappears because that's important. That's important. Very, very important. All right, let's see here. Here we go. Jerry from Pennsylvania. Let's see. Trump, Trump's book. Students haven't had real history teachers in 50 years. Boy, that's true. No one knows what great again means. Besides, great takes work. And here's another one. American, America can only become great again when men and women understand their roles as defined by their creator. Now, I'm wondering if maybe, now that brings me to a topic here. I wasn't going to go into this, but maybe I need to. By the way, welcome to Tim Tap of Tap Into the Truth. I'm told that is a phenomenal show. I will definitely listen to that. I've been, I, I get so many people tell me that's a, that's a must listen to show here on, I believe, Blog Talk Radio. So I, I'm going to talk about it. And, and I guess maybe, well, it needs to be talked about. And, and but let, me, let me preface this with, look. I am not one of those people that says, you know, uh, you just don't understand. Hey, Jerry has another one here, I think. And he didn't submit this, but uh, somebody wrote a um, wrote an article entitled uh, Michael Master wrote an article entitled Draining the Swamp is Messy. That could be a that could be a good one, too. Uh, so, well, that could be that could be a good one. That could be a good one. Yeah, I like that. I like it. I like it. All right, let's just see here. We got some pouring in here. Let me let me remind the radio listening audience around the world. Um, it needs to be clean. I can't read it if it's not clean. A little double entendre. Never hurt anybody, but it's got to be clean. I can't, you know, you know, what are you going to do? So transgender. The transgender. It's the transgenders, Sean. It's the transgenders. Um, I'm going to say that I think. You can have input. You can. You can have input if you've never been in the military. You can. I mean that. You can. I don't feel like, uh, I don't, you know, I don't want to eliminate anybody from being able to contribute to the discussion, if you know what I'm saying. I don't. I, I, I think, you know, if maybe you've never been in the military. You don't know what the military mission is all about. By the way, thank you to Craig and Louise in New York for those. Uh, I really like this. I, I'll tell you what, I like that. I'm sending this one. This one, I'm marking this as sending it. 
So if you've never been in the military, and maybe you don't, maybe you don't know what it's like. Maybe you don't know. I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, you definitely don't know. No judgment. Well, yeah, a little judgment. Why? Because to be fair to you, this is something that only people who actually know, people that actually know what the life is like in the military. Now, one such person that does know what it's like to uh, to be fit to serve, and he entitled his most recent, July 29, 2017, he's been a guest on the show several times, uh, retired Navy SEAL and world record holder Andy Stump, class number 212, wrote this article, Fit to Serve. I'm going to read a little bit of it to you. Permanently disqualified. Those are the words stamped on my first, on the first piece of documentation I ever received from the United States military. I was 17 years old. By the way, he one of the youngest Navy SEALs ever and the youngest SEAL Team 6. Uh, and, I, and I was attempting to pursue a dream that began at the age of 11. Those two words broke me more than anything I'd experienced in my life. So let's set, set the benchmark here. Let's set, it's because it's got to be done. The benchmark, it, it, it has been set and we have to acknowledge that it has been set, right? I mean, we can't, we can't ignore benchmarks. We've got to acknowledge benchmarks, right? Because look, you can, you can very easily, you can very, very easily skip over the fact that, you know, the military is a, a deadly job. We just, we just dedicated the show to uh, 30, 30, what, 34 people out of thousands, really, that have given their lives just over the past 12 years, 10, 12 years. It's dangerous. This is dangerous. We say, well, that's SEALs. That's Navy SEALs. No, it's not just SEALs. These are a lot of these guys, National Guard guys. You know, the thing you join if you just want to have college paid for, you make a little extra money, just go every other, you know, one weekend a month, two weeks in the summer. Great. Get college. For, right. That's why, you know, but that's not why most of these people join up. Now, there are some that do that, join the National Guard. Oh, you know, it's easy money. It's easy to get paid for college. But I tell you, when, when we're at war, and we are at, make no mistake, we are at war. When we are at war, you absolutely must. You must understand this is a deadly thing. This military is a deadly thing. I was proud to serve, and I'll tell you what, some of the greatest years of my life, proud to serve. Back to the article from Andy Stumpf, retired Navy SEAL, world record holder. And uh, guest on the show. He's now got a podcast. I'm not going to promote it until he tells me I can, but he does have a podcast. I'm sure it'll be phenomenally successful. The journey to enlisting in the military is anything but short and sweet. Before any volunteer departs for boot camp, or at least in the Navy, you must complete a written aptitude test called the ASVAB and a, a physical screening at a facility known as MEPS, which is Military Entrance Processing Station. I went to Baltimore for mine. It was at this facility I thought my dream was coming to an end. I started my day before sunrise driving to the MEP station in Oakland, California with my father. And after the ASVAB, the medical processing begins. It is a thorough but quick process. You are one among many, which in hindsight is a first good look 
a good first look at the reality of military life. All matter of medical checks are completed from dental to psychological screening. You also receive your first dose of what is lovingly referred to as hurry up and wait. You are rushed from one area to the next, then wait for long periods of time until your turn is called. To a 17-year-old young man, it was stressful. One of the last things I was required to do is a simple blood pressure test. This occurred at the end of the day, and I was spent long before it began. I thought nothing of the test as my blood pressure had been tested many times before without incident. But this day was different. The electronic machine registered my blood pressure as outside the parameters acceptable for military service. Needless to say, it got my attention. A doctor explained to me the acceptable range for enlistment and processing into service and then informed me that I would have two more opportunities to be retested. All I could think of in that moment was that my dream was over. I took the remaining two tests. Each time the numbers climbed higher and higher. The same doctor reviewed them and explained that I was disqualified from serving, stamped on my record and sent on my way. Now I was destroyed. My father, who also served in the Navy, refused to accept that outcome and immediately went into the facility to speak to someone in charge. I don't remember much of what happened for the rest of the day, but it turned out that I would have the opportunity to see a cardiac specialist and return to the Oakland MEPS Center at a later date to retest my blood pressure. Had it not been for that opportunity, the story arc of my life would be much different. Day was a wake-up call for me, and I realized that day that the military did not need me. I was motivated, dedicated, and ready to serve my country, and none of that mattered. The standards required for baseline military service are set by the leadership of the military, and more importantly, the demands required of service. You either meet them or you do not. Now, let me say this. This is Dr. Sean talking now. It's very important to uh, qualify that statement a, a little bit. Really, really important, and here's why. Here's why. It is not about feelings. It is not about fairness. It is not about anything other than do you meet the requirements or don't you? Do you or don't you? Do you or don't you? It's just those words. It's that simple. I mean, I'm, I'm, you, I know you're thinking, man, it's, what's all the silence? Listen, folks. You need to understand, it is either do you or do you not meet the requirements of service. It's not, well, a friend of mine says, you know, with all this work, I, first of all, I thought the left was against the military and against uh, war and against, all, you know, all these different things. You know, I, I thought the I thought the left was anti-military. Now all of a sudden we've got all all the gays want to get in the military. We've got all of a sudden we've got all the trans. Listen, what? And so my friend says to me, they say, this transgender thing. Maybe we need a military of all transgender. Maybe that's the deal. Maybe that's if, if apparently they are such good war fighters. That's why they're fighting so hard to get in and stay in, is because well they're great war fighters and we need a military made up, maybe a whole unit, not eunuch, unit made up of transgenders. 
I think I think maybe that's uh maybe maybe that's I don't know. Maybe that's what we need. Maybe they are the ultimate fighting force, right? Maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's why they're all trying because they know we can win. You just put us in. Yes, we're can we're not positive what sex we are. We have some personal dilemmas, sure. But we can fight. But you either meet the standards or you do not. The demands required of service. You either meet them or you do not. Back to Andy's article. In the past week, I've heard the phrase, the military is not a social experiment. More times than I thought possible in a lifetime. This is a simplistic way to look at a complex organization. And it does not address the fact that our country, the democracy, freedoms, and liberties are in and of themselves a social experiment. The military, much like this country, is a melting pot. I serve with both sexes, every race and religion. Now, I, I'm with him. I served in the Navy as well, uh, at both sexes, and every race, every religion. I even served with some Muslims. I, I served, oddly enough, with two Buddhists. I served with the Baha'i. I've served with Presbyterians and Baptists, and I've served with agnostics and atheists, atheists. And much like Andy says here, I served with individuals who had trust funds and those that sought military service as an escape from crippling poverty in the inner cities. I will chime this in. Two people, even Presbyterians. I know it's hard to believe, Jerry. Um, I served with two guys, which was really a great privilege. They turned out to be great friends during my time in the military. Two guys, one superstar athlete, NCAA Division One football, and um, he got uh, the, the dean of uh, academics or something, dean of something or other, uh, the daughter, his daughter, pregnant. And so he immediately joined the military. He said, hey, I got to support this family. I got to, you know, this is what I got to do. I got to do something honorable here because I've done something, you know, that I got to I got to swage. I got to I got to handle this. You know, I got to I got to man up up in here, up in here. So I served with him, and then I served with another guy, a marching band member. I won't say the school, but Division One, also one of the top marching bands in the land, not the number one, but one of the top. And uh, the band director, the director of bands, his daughter got pregnant by this guy. So immediately he gives, you know, he just abandons, vacates his scholarships, same way with the other guy, and they and they go in the navy, and they, you know. 4.30 in the morning, the pots and the pans and the trash cans are flying about in the uh, in the barracks. And, and it, it was one of the longest days up until that point. I'd have many longer days. But it was also one of the most awesome days I've ever had in my whole life. And of that group, you know, we started off with 100 and some. And it was whittled down to 50, 53 or 55. That's how many people. We plowed through that many. Some were gone the first day. Some were gone the second day. Some were gone the first, second week. Some were gone the fifth week. In the barracks where I was, the main barracks where I was, there were two people that committed suicide. They were completely and utterly unprepared for boot camp, let alone the military. Sometimes people squeak through is the point I'm trying to make. Sometimes they squeak through. Now you say, well, that's very uh, hurtful. It's very hurtful. By the way, I want to express my uh, condolences to the Cox family, Darren and Karen, and their whole family in the loss of, of uh, Darren's father. 
So it'll be my privilege to be there at uh, at the funeral next, a memorial service next Wednesday. God bless you. But look, I'm telling you, I, I was there, and and uh, I, I don't look. This is this is in no way, no way. Is this an affront to anybody that was there that committed suicide? But but over the course of boot camp, there were others that committed suicide in other companies. We were company 153, best kept secret at RTC. And I'm here to tell you, I'm a, my good dog Buckeye is in here. She's, she's wanting to know what's up. She's saying, hey, everybody, she's going to chime in on this. All right, go lay down, go lay down. So, you know, there's lots of people that, that uh, they have a political agenda. Go lay down. Um, they have a political agenda. And so they want to join up in order that they can achieve some, well, we did it. We are, we are in the military. You know, I know, I know some, some homosexual guys that are, you know, they were great soldiers, great sailors, great Marines, believe it or not. I was in during the don't ask, don't tell, lest you ask. Don't ask, don't tell. Just mind your business. I don't I don't need to know about any of that. But you would be kicked out and prosecuted if you were caught in a sexual act of any sort, a homosexual act of any sort. It's just how it was, because that that didn't work in that in that unit cohesion. That did not work. But people washed out for lots of reasons. People washed out because they couldn't handle the heat in Orlando in July, August and September. June, July, August and September. They couldn't handle that. So they washed out. Some of them came from messed up backgrounds. I had, Listen, one of my best friends, I would to God that I was still in contact with him today. I went through a period where I was Mr. Loner. I didn't, I didn't stay in contact with anybody. I didn't talk very much. I know that's hard to believe. I just, I just went through a phase where, and it was unfortunately a years long phase where I just didn't stay in touch. You become friends with people, people die, and then that's what happens. But one guy in particular had been shot nine times as a gang member in inner city Miami. I mean, he was a gang banger. He had tried multiple times to get out of the gangs. Nothing worked. Joined the military. And he was awesome. He was an awesome dude. As white as I was, he was dark. I mean, he was dark dude. And we used to stand next to each other and laugh till my tan came into being. And we would laugh. And he'd say, you got a long way to go, brother. Black and white served together. Good friends. Good friends. One of my best friends in the military. Uh, superstar running back with uh, Grambling University. Blew out his knees, I think, four or five times, and eventually they vacated his scholarship. He's one of the top running backs in the nation. Got to do something. He passed the Navy physical. Boom. There he was. Black guy. White guy, black guy. We were buddies. I mean, really close friends. It's just, they're just, there, there wasn't this big thing going on. I didn't see it. And this is 1983. I was in boot camp. I didn't see a lot of racism. I really didn't. You had some guys get up in some other folks' face, but you just didn't see it. You know, this out and out racism, you didn't do it. 
with transgender? No, no. Now I have looked at, uh, you know, imbibing a little bit in the celebratory fluids, um, you know, and uh, getting into the conversation with your shipmates and, and they say, uh, man, you'd make one ugly woman. That's about as close as we got to transgenders. It's just a fact. It just that's how it was. One of my friends loves to make jokes about dropping soap and oh, you were in the Navy, you must have a lot of exposure to that. You know, people make jokes, but man, I'm telling you, the Navy was no joke. It was no joke. I loved it. I did. I loved boot camp. I loved basic training. I loved it. I went in in great shape and I came out in even greater shape. I gained 20 pounds in boot camp. 20 pounds. I was a stick figure when I went in, but I was in superior physical condition. And boy, I'm going to tell you something. They told us one day, uh, chief and senior chief, our two drill instructors said, um, now my friend is telling me that they do not make soap jokes, but they do in fact make soap jokes. Yes. Many other jokes too, you know, hinting at a little bit of proclivities. But I remember our, our, uh, our DIs came in and they said, listen, we're only going to do three push-ups today. Three. You guys work so hard. You recruits, you work so hard. You really, really got after it yesterday. So we're going to take it easy on you. We're going to only do three. I don't know if you've ever stretched out one push-up over the course of an hour, but I'm telling you, this is how it goes. Push-up position, hot. That's from a standing out of tension. So then you're in the up position. Usually after push-up position, hot. Down, up, down, up. That's usually how it goes, right? You crank out a hundred or so of those, and you're 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 uh, you're in push-up position, literally over a puddle, not just a little bit of your own sweat. I'm talking a puddle. You are drenched to the core, and you are sweating your behind off. I mean, it's 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 unreal. Go lay down, buddy. Go lay down. And so it's it's just one of those things, you know, you're expecting a push-up position, hot, down, up. But we never heard down. We just heard push-up position, hot. And I mean to tell you, we were in push-up position in the up position for 20 minutes. You say, nah, come on. Come on. You weren't in any push-up position for 20 minutes. They're making that stuff up. I'm telling you right now, I got a bunch of my shipmates would would attest to it. Push-up position, in the up position, back straight, hand shoulder width apart, up on your toes, leg straight, no bow in that back at all. And I'm telling you, shaking like a leaf. I mean, like a leaf. After the first several minutes, you're you're shaking so bad, you just you're like everything is burning. Your hands are soaking wet, so you're having trouble staying in that position because you're on a tile floor. And sweat's pouring off of you, burning your eyes. But you got to stay in sort of the the push-up position attention, you know, type of deal. Well, this this first push-up was dragged out over the course of, of uh, I don't know, an hour or so. Then when they tell you to get up, recover. You know, that means stand up. You go right back to attention. 
three push-ups. The worst worst day. We we wanted we wanted two thousand push-up days after that three push-up day. And I'm just telling you, you say, well, oh, I want to tell you this too. I have, uh, Amen. Buckeye is conservative. Um, someone in chat just said that Buckeye is conservative. She is conservative. She misses her daddy. I've been away a little bit, and uh, I miss her too. So, you know, throughout this process, you, you know, the ones that are weak, that their bodies are not going to develop, that they are not going to be able to strengthen up. Listen, war and war fighting is hard. You say, well, what about the people that are just, you know, pe pencil pushers, the personnel and all that stuff? Listen, everybody is a fighter. Everybody in the Marine Corps is a fighter. Everybody in the Air Force is, is an airman. Everybody in the Coast Guard is a, a guardsman. Everybody, everybody in the Army is a soldier. You all are in the military in your respective branch of service. That's what you do. And at any point in time, you may be called into action as a warfighter, and you had better be ready. You had better be ready. You can't be overweight. You can't be carrying, you know, 20 extra pounds or 30 extra. You can't. You're going to die. You're going to die, and you're going to get other people dead. If you don't meet the standards, you either meet them or you do not. The demands required of service are not political. They are, in fact, absolute. Not respective of gender, not respective of, of sexual proclivity. It doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. So here's the bottom line. Well, let's go back to this. Past week, you know, I said that and all that stuff. Regardless of background, each and every one of they voluntarily surrendered. Many of, well, okay, let me let me go back a little bit. Regardless of background, each and every one of those individuals voluntarily surrendered many of their personal wants, needs, and desires, not to mention constitutionally afforded rights to serve this country and citizens. Let me say this. There is no privacy. Uh, and and post 9-11, you're in a war zone. This is Andy talks about this, and I talk about this too. Look, you could be anywhere, anywhere in the world, and you're in a war zone. You pour all that stuff into all these ingredients into the melting pot, you season it with war and set the temperature to bake for nearly two decades, and you've got a serious situation going on. You can't mess around. Yeah, the military is a social experiment. I agree with him completely. It is a social experiment, but more importantly, it is a bureaucracy. And like all bureaucracies, it works well when confronted with its core competencies and its struggles, and it fails as it approaches the fringe. Now, this is Andy, but I agree 100%. I use that term not to describe the transgender community, but to describe the number of individuals in comparison to the total serving in the military, a fraction of a fraction of a percent. The social experiment of the military works because the individuals serving agree to serve something greater than themselves. Speaking of greater than themselves. Speaking of which, <laughs> that is what the military is. Hey, give this a listen real quick. Talk about military. This is this is uh, a uh, army ranger officer. This is this is his family's company. He and his family's company. Give it a listen real quick. Hey, folks. Let me take a quick break to mention one of our friends, the Logox. www.thelogox.com. The Logox hauler. What that is, it's a product specifically designed to make hauling, splitting, and stacking firewood much easier, more efficient, and safer. Better on your back. The Logox hauler is also one of the, it's the basis of the Logox 3-in-1 tool. The Logox 3-in-1 tool, that expands the Logox hauler by adding a cant hook and a timber jack into one ergonomically designed tool to assist you with cutting up and hauling fallen trees out of the woods with ease. Manufactured in Warrensburg, Missouri, 
The Logox includes a lifetime guarantee against defect and a 30-day money-back refund policy if you're not completely satisfied. All American, all veteran-made. Contact my friend and fellow veteran, Austin, at www.thelogox.com with questions or to buy it online. Again, it's www.thelogox.com. Please mention the ninja. You know who I am. Come on. You know who I'm going to say. The Ninja Pastor. Mention the Ninja Pastor when you order. You're going to receive a $25 off savings immediately. That's awesome. Welcome back to The Collision of Faith and Politics. Here again is Dr. Sean. Now, Andy and I agree. Thanks for giving that a listen. Andy and I, Andy Stumpf, a retired Navy SEAL and world record holder and guest on the show. The military exists to fight and win wars. We agree. It's got nothing to do with where you're from. It's got nothing to do with you're rich or you're poor. Privileged. White, black, or other. I don't care, quite frankly. Can you do the job? Can you do it under the worst possible circumstances? Can you have a good attitude and do the job when the suck meter, and I don't mean like you're thinking, I'm talking about sometimes when it's 127 degrees and you've got about a two-by-two space to to, uh, operate in and you haven't had a shower and you haven't been able to go to the bathroom and you haven't had a, a real meal in three or four days and you've been in that spot and you couldn't leave. Things have gone crappy quick. And they've stayed crappy. You got to be able to have a good attitude during those circumstances. But the military exists to fight and win wars. It's a true statement. But the reality is very nuanced, back to Andy's article. Sometimes actions are offensive in nature, and sometimes they are defensive. During my time in service, this is him, he acted as a diplomat, liaison, ambassador, security guard, crime scene tech, spokesman, babysitter, and everything in between. I used my brain more often than I used bullets in the course of my duties. Regardless of what shape and form they took, the underlying purpose never changed. I was part of an organization that was created to bear arms and use them if needed. Now, my friends, you need to hear this, and you need um, really clearly. The military exists to fight and win wars. And the way you do that is with guns and bombs and traps and strategy and unfettered aggression. I agree with Alaska. Alaska said the rules of engagement have done more to cause PTSD than anything else, I think. The rules of engagement, uh, Lone Survivor, if you've ever seen uh, Marcus Luttrell's movie and book, uh, read the book, Unreal. It was all about ROE. And great men died on a mountainside. The only measuring stick that matters back to the article, and the only argument that holds any water, is the impact on efficiency and effectiveness of the military completing its primary task. If you approach this issue from any other direction, cost, discrimination, etc., at least in my opinion, this is Andy's but also mine, you are bastardizing the argument to fit your own agenda. It is not a matter of money, fairness, or experiments. It is a matter of whether or not the military is enhanced or hindered from doing its job because of this issue, period. Now, the next thing I'm going to talk about is something most people can't talk about unless you've met this person. 
I met the person twice, uh, one for a little bit longer period of time and another for a shorter period of time. And I'm going to say, I'm going to say some things that will be off-putting to several. Let's just put it that way. I'm going to read now from Andy's blog, confessionsofanidiot.com. Many people have pointed to Chris slash Kristen Beck, an individual from the SEAL community that identifies as transgender. He says, I have never met or worked with this person. I have both. And have watched this from a distance. (coughs) Excuse me. When Beck responded to President Trump's tweet, many people jumped on the bandwagon, and I think there's some clarification due. And I've done this both in interviews, I've done it in social media, uh, and other things that, I, excuse me, that I've written. And I want to make this clear. I think uh, Andy does a great job at it, and so I'll read his words. First, Chris Beck was a Navy SEAL, not Kristen. That may seem harsh to some, but it is also accurate. Chris after military service, after military service, came forward as identifying as transgender, not during his time in the service. I have no doubt that he struggled with his identity during service, but he chose not to transition. I don't know if that's the correct term, post-service. He did not serve as a transgender SEAL. I can only speculate as to why he made that choice, but given my experience with the community, I think it is fair to assume he realized that making the decision while serving would have been disruptive to the team and his teammates and would have had a negative impact on both as well as his career. He would have been correct on all accounts. Anything that creates friction and distraction in a small unit negatively impacting ability to meet the standards is addressed. In many cases, this manifests itself in personal issues such as alcohol, substance abuse, problems, Um, of all types, addictive behavior, financial problems, many more. These issues are not as uncommon as you think. They are addressed, and if the impact of the team cannot be negated, they are removed, regardless of how capable an operator they are. The team is first, not the individual. This is the underlying principle of all military service. Now, let me say this. This is Dr. Sean talking here. Now, I I have, uh, on several occasions, dealt with transgenders. I mean, I've you know, just based on what I do, we're going to have that. That's going to happen. But I'm I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you and be very, very clear here. I don't in any way want you to miss this. When I met uh, who was Chris Beck and then became Kristen Beck, I'm just going to tell you, you know, I'm not making an assumption professionally but I do have professional background and education on this. So for me, when I met the person, I knew obviously immediately uh, he did not make an attractive female. Let's be honest on that. Now, I'm also going to say this, no matter if you're a SEAL or Army or Navy, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard, no matter what branch you went, listen, I don't care what you do for a living. If you are a transgender, you have gender confusion. You you to be, or perhaps you have some sort of situation going on uh, hormonally that leads you to want to be or be driven to be the opposite sex, to conduct your life as the opposite sex, whether you're male wanting to be a female, female wanting to be male. I have met transgenders who I looked at them and said, yeah, you, you know, your hormones are out of whack. But I'm going to tell you something. I've never once met a transgender that the changing 
and now what is it? $150,000, $250,000 of surgery and medication and a lifetime of taking medication. I've never met a transgender that when they finally got it done, they were at peace. You say, well, that's because people are mean and rude. And I've never met a transgender I didn't think was far from suicide. In fact, Andy talks about this. After he says the team is first, not the individual, that's the underlying principle of all military service. I have no idea what it would like be like to be transgender. I cannot even fathom the difficulty in dealing with the internal struggle, let alone the spectrum of reactions from society. The suicide rate, which is staggering, is tra tragic, but also does not surprise me. My heart goes out to that community, and I serve for them as well. They deserve the space and freedom this country provides to be who they feel they should be, just as much as their neighbor, who may hate what they stand for. He says this, and I say it. People, I was just interviewed, and and I said this, and I said it on air, and I don't, I don't apologize for this. People say, "Well, you're a pastor; you can't say things like this." I don't care, honestly, how you conduct your life. I really don't. Once it begins to affect me and my ability to conduct my life the way I'm called by Scripture to do, and my faith, and driven by biblical principles, until that happens, I really don't care. If you're going to harm, you know, my love wife or my children, my family, any of those, hey, look, you got a whole different ninja pastor. That's where the ninja part comes in. You want to start messing around with that? Well, we got a problem, brother or sister. I, you know, I don't care. Go live your life. I'm not condoning it. I'm not condoning it at all. There's a lot of uh, Baptists right now, independent fundamental King James Version only saying, well, see, he's pro-gay. No, I'm not. But I tell you what I'm not. I'll tell you what I'm definitely not. I'm not for going around beating on the heads of, of gay people or transgender people or lesbian people or whatever letter you want to put, LGBTQE. I don't care. I, I don't care until you start populating my schools for which I pay taxes, until you start populating the prisons for which I pay taxes, until you start populating the military, I pay taxes. And you tell me that I've got to start paying for your surgery and your medication because, because you have a mental health issue. Well, the DSM-5 uh, reversed partially what the DSM-3 and 4 said. DSM-3 and 4 said that it was a mental disease, but now, mental disorder, but now the DSM-5 says it's less of that than it is a medical issue. You see what's happening here. Look. I'm not going to go out into the transgender community, wherever it is they have their big meetings, and say, you guys, girls, whatever you are, uh, you guys are weird and sick and odd. I'm not, I'm not in that club. I'm not in that club. I don't have any desire to do that, not even a little bit. But you go ahead and you try to come into my military. You, kinda, you come into my Navy and you say, well, I deserve a space here. Well, I'm sorry. I, I am sorry, folks, but we can. Well, I'm not rolling that way, and I'm not condoning it. You come into my church and my kehala, where I'm the pastor, and you tell me, because you're so full of yourself, that somehow or another, uh, I owe you. Somehow, no, I don't owe you a spot. I'm not going to bash you, but I don't owe you a spot in my Navy. 
I don't, you know, uh, Andy goes on to say, I don't care about your beliefs. I'll respect them even if they are counter to my own. I have no idea if I've ever served with anyone who is transgender. I have no idea because I never asked and I didn't care. I cared about two things, competence and meeting the standards. I serve with every aspect that our society has to offer and spent 0% of my time concerned with their backgrounds or beliefs unless or until it impacted performance. Ditto from here. Look, I, there's something that you need to understand. We are never not going to need the military. In fact, you would be an idiot if you ever, under any circumstances, thought we don't need the military. Hey, give this a listen. Hey, happy warriors. This is the Ninja Pastor here. Quick break to mention another uh, partner of ours, Mr. David Partridge at Lieberman Early and Company in Wayne, Pennsylvania. David and I, uh, we recently shared a meal together and we discussed his business, which is commercial real estate. Now, David focuses on southeastern Pennsylvania all the way up through the Lehigh Valley, and he deals with office, flex, and warehouse properties. And David mentioned during our conversation and dinner that he sees real optimism among the small and medium-sized business owners that he works with. A stronger economy coupled with the historically low interest rates, and what that's doing, that's allowing many businesses to own their property for close to the cost of leasing, and sometimes for less than the cost of leasing. What I want you to do is I want you to call my friend, David Partridge at Lieberman Early and Company in Wayne, Pennsylvania, to discuss these options. Look, the main number there to call Dave is 610-688-4300. Or visit www.liebermanearly.com. Mention you heard this on The Ninja Pastor, and David will provide a free market evaluation of your current property. Listen, folks, you can't beat that. Now, I'm pleased to say a few words about one of our partners, Second Call Defense. The Second Amendment affirms our right to, among other things, keep and bear arms. Yet, what happens when we're forced to use our firearms in self-defense, even if we don't fire the weapon? The service that I endorse to protect you against this is Second Call Defense. If I have to use lethal force to defend myself or my family, I can call them immediately anytime, 24 hours a day. I don't have to face the legal system alone, which, as you know, is biased against firearms. Should an incident happen, practicing attorneys who specialize in Second Amendment issues and crisis managers, even, they're on call, and they'll speak to law enforcement on my behalf to ensure my rights are protected. Within 24 hours, a criminal defense attorney will be retained for me, and if needed, bail money will be wired to help me avoid being held in custody. I then speak to my own personal retained attorney to work on my defense. I know that Second Call Defense has my back at one of the most challenging times that we can ever face as citizens. They can have your back, too. Contact Second Call Defense through theninjapastor.com. Click on the red banner at the bottom for a whole month free on me. Don't wait. Welcome back to The Collision of Faith and Politics. Here again is Dr. Sean. Yeah. Hey, look, we need the military. This is Andy, and this is, uh, and I echo this, I ditto this. We need the military. We need the space provided by the military to continue the experiment that is the United States of America. For the military to remain effective, the demands of the occupation, along with the leadership, need the ability to determine the standard and criteria for service. Those that do not meet it should not be considered. 
Had I not been able to show the military doctors an improvement in my blood pressure, I would not have been able to serve. My dream would have been destroyed. It says nothing about me, my patriotism, my passion for this country, or my desire to serve. It says the military does not need me, and it does not need you if you do not meet the standards, regardless of how much you want it. The military is and should continue to be an available option for all citizens, but submitting an application for service does not guarantee admission. It is not a right. It is a privilege. And I would add one of the greatest privileges of my lifetime is to serve with some of the men and the women that I served with. I'm telling you, unbelievable privilege. People I will never forget. Some of the greatest people from some of the toughest backgrounds. Man, I'm not kidding you. What a privilege. What an absolute privilege to serve next to them. Now, it's a right. It's not a privilege. Is that fair? No, it's not. Now, Andy goes on to say, I've seen more war than some and far less than others. It is without a doubt the most unfair environment ever achieved by man. If you volunteer for military service, that's what you're signing up for. Let's try not to forget that. Now, I want to I, I, I want to point this out because I I it's important for me. I think I think it's important for me as a human being, you know, e even though I can say I've served. But it is very important to fully and completely understand. Listen, man. Your feelings. Your feelings. Folks, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Your feelings don't drive this, this service in the military. It, it, your feelings don't drive it. That's great that you want a certain thing or, a, or another, but I'm sorry to tell you, it doesn't drive it. Go on ahead and want that all you want. Well, I want to be in the military. They have no right to keep me out of the military. Just because I'm gay or transgender or whatever, you can't keep me out. It's my right. It's not your right. And you're not being barred from entry because you're because you're transgender. You're barred. You're being barred for entry because you don't meet the standard. And that's all there is to it. That's all there is to it. It all comes down. You absolutely must understand that if you've got to take pills for the rest of your life in order to retain the appearance of your sexuality, in order to retain the voice and the skin and the hair and more of your sexuality that you think you are, that is only being maintained because medical intervention. You say, well, there, I'm sure there's people in the military with high blood pressure. I had one college, he'd only ever been in college, and now he's in the workforce. Got a good kid. I've known him his whole life. 
actually said, you know, look, if somebody's willing to go fight for their life for me on my behalf, I don't mind them receiving a little extra health care. How naive, utterly naive. My friends, it is not about that. It's so not about that. So much more than that. When you when you look, they what what's wanted that what uh, President former President Barack Hussein Obama wanted to have happen is they wanted us to pay. They wanted us to pay for their for their surgeries. They wanted to come in the military. There's people that that get put in prison so that they can receive surgery. Chelsea Manning, do you know they call him Chelsea Manning? I don't know what his real name is, but whatever he's made up this name. Uh, the private who was accused of, of spying and then went to jail and all this stuff. And while he was incarcerated, he became a she. Guess who paid for that? You did. Guess who pays for his medicine? You did. That is absolutely and completely insane. So you say, well, somebody with high blood pressure, like Sean Greener, I, you know, sometimes I think, look, if I'm dying, Send me back to the military. Send me on some missions. You know, if I, if my life is, is going to be cut short because of all this that's going on with me, hey, give me a mission. I can train up quick. I would gladly give my last full measure of devotion in that regard. Gladly. But they won't take me. You know why? Because I don't meet the criteria anymore. I did once. I was in super. In fact, one time I almost well, I had my physical. You know, you have your physicals every year and, and you know, your testing and everything. You know, your PT. I was always in the top one-tenth of one percent of the Navy. And I was always very proud of that. And I worked very hard at that. However, one area was, you know, I had 5.9% body fat. There wasn't an ounce of fat on me. I mean, I was in shape, brother. I took PT seriously. I took readiness seriously. And I'm here to tell you, Navy, because, you know, they're bureaucracy, as Andy said, they saw 5.9%. They saw my height. They saw my weight. This guy's, this guy's underweight. He's under, he, he's got too low body fat. He, this is not sustainable. And they were actually going to process me out. They sent a letter to my commanding officer saying, you know, you got to surrender this guy to medical and he's got to be, you know, processed for discharge. And I'm like, what? And my, and my commander said, you know, no, this, this guy's a stud. <laughs> you don't want this guy out. You want him in. And the thing is, you know, I go to the medical and, and they have these doctors and they examine me. I do all the testing and they do the caliper test. And then they said, well, this is five, you know, we got to do the, the water thing where they measure it, the water, it's more accurate. So they do that. It's still about the same. And they're like, well, we don't know what to do here. Because the standard says you got to be 10. You can't be below 10. You're 5.9. Well, that would have been wrong. That would have been wrong because I was extraordinary at my job. And I made doggone sure because people depended on me. But I'm going to tell you. If Sean Greener had Sean Greener blood pressure that he has now, they wouldn't take me. They wouldn't keep me. If I was still in right now, they wouldn't keep me. No. I'd be bounced out so fast, make a head spin. Then you say, well, that's not right either. If you develop a problem, 
Am I saying they won't give somebody blood pressure medicine in the military? No, but mine's deadly. 305 over 295 is deadly. You're, you don't survive that for very long. And you can't function in combat or a war fighting environment or even the high stress of just military operations, general training. It's just not reality. So you got to go. Brother, got to go. Nothing against you personally. God bless you. Thank you for your service. You got to go. That's a reality that the military demands. And the military demands it because combat and war fighting and the environment, the kinetic environment, demands it. And my friends, anything less, and people die. It isn't about transgender's feelings. It isn't about achieving some historic, some some big historic thing. Well, we now have gays in the military. Yay! No, we, we now have transgenders in the military. Yay! We're achieving. We're breaking down barriers. I don't think they talk like that, but the point, the ones that I know didn't talk like that. But I, I saw an interview the other day, and this dude, this woman, I don't know, whatever, uh, person who identifies now as a woman, used to be a man, still is a man, still got the equipment, but is taking the drugs and all that. This dude is talking, and I'm telling you, very ugly woman, but looks somewhat like a woman, and but has a full-on man voice. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I would not have chosen you. To represent. So I guess all I'm saying to you is, look, you know, from somebody's been there, you can't. It doesn't work. You can't. Look, they take pills. Their rates of suicide are so high. Their rates of mental illness are so high in an environment as close as that. And we're talking 99% men in a combat situation. It's 98, 99% men. In that situation, I'm going to tell you. It wouldn't be safe for this. Well, that's not right. Then perhaps those people who would make a transgender not feel safe in that environment of being in the military and wouldn't welcome them. Maybe they don't deserve another person who is very dear. I've watched her grow up. She's a very nice person. Maybe they don't deserve. Maybe they shouldn't serve. Listen, fights wolves. You don't train the sheepdog to kill the wolf and the bars and, and, and the alligators and the enemy. You don't get that. By somebody goes, well, we need to just let everyone sort of be themselves. It's not about self. It's about team. It's about unit. It's about mission. It's got nothing to do with yourself. It's not you. It's it's the team. You know, people used to be processed out of the Navy for needs of the Navy. Needs of the Navy. Seriously, needs of the Navy. That would be what was stamped on their thing. Their DD-214, needs of the Navy, discharge due to needs of the Navy. Maybe they don't need the job that you're trained for. And maybe right now they've got too many people and they say, we don't need your job anymore. So thank you, but we're not going to allow you to re-enlist. And then other people that re-enlist get huge, now huge to the Navy, re-enlistment bonuses. And others get processed out, served honorably, did real well, but they say, hey, we can't use you unless you're willing to convert to this uh, job specialty that, that we need a lot of, you got to go. There's not much money in, in the military. There's not much money for the, the soldiers and the sailors and the Marines and the Coast Guard and the airmen. There's not much money to pay them, which I think is egregious. We can get some of that by making Congress serve for what they serve. Our president is serving for free. 
He is donating the money. He has to legally receive the salary. He's donating the money. By the way, did you know the president, President Trump submitted to Barack Obama did not do this, submitted, nor did Bill Clinton, by the way, uh, submitted to this uh, to the to the White House doctor to do all the testing. And then he take the DNA and all of these different things. It's, um, you know, it's a. Uh, it's just one of those things. You know, it's that you do. Barack Obama didn't do it, and neither did Bill Clinton. Although the White House doctor, as you'll recall, had been White House doctor, I think, for 20 years. When Bill Clinton came in, he had to have medicines administered intravenously, uh, you know, through a hypodermic needle every day. And he was presented with an un-syringe and said, you are to give this to the president every day. And he said, well, I got to know what it is. No, no, actually, you don't. You just got to give this to him. Well, no, I'm a Hippocratic. No, I don't care what you have. You give this to him every day. Well, I can't give it to him every day. That's ridiculous. Okay, you're fired. Fired on the spot. Guess who fired him? Hillary Clinton. One can only speculate as to what it was. So here we are. President Donald Trump, he submits to the test. As commander-in-chief, they take the samples. They give full physical, the whole deal. He says he's in great physical condition. He could lose a little bit of weight, but all in all, he's in great shape. Very fit to serve. After that, do you know the president is paying for his own medical? There are certain things that he has to undergo as the president of the United States, but all the rest of it, he pays for it out of his own pocket. You say, well, he's rich. He can. You know, these people that run around, never been rich, talking about how much money rich people should be spending. It's just ridiculous. Seriously, it's just ridiculous. Come on now. Well, he's rich. He's rich. He should. He can afford it. Come on. Stop with all that, people. Don't let yourself be one of those people. For reals. Please don't. Please don't ever let yourself be one of those people that, that talks like that. It's just dumb. It's it's dumb, and it doesn't make any sense. Hey, give this a listen real quick. This makes a lot of sense. You guys all know, if you've been listening any length of time, the Michael Strange Foundation and Charlie and Marianne Strange and all the Gold Star families, that's a cause that's close to my heart and something I believe you'd be interested in supporting as well. This foundation focuses on the Voices for Silent Heroes and provides unconditional support and services to the families of recently fallen service members by professionals, one of whom is me, in several fields and also by those who have suffered similar losses so that the healing process can begin. But more importantly, the Michael Strange Foundation focuses on healing the family after the initial and intense outpouring of support and love from family and friends after that's passed. Many face these most difficult times in the weeks and months afterwards when loneliness, sorrow, anger, and loss seem to be the survivor's only companions. That is when the Voices for Silent Heroes and the Michael Strange Foundation rise to the challenge, and they do it beautifully. And they provide the difficult and enduring care and outreach that has meant such a difference to so many Gold Star families and allowed them to stay together through the most intense grief associated with the loss of fallen service members. What I want you to do is I want you to visit the Voices for Silent Heroes at www.michaelstrangefoundation.org or click on the link to my website, theninjapastor.com to learn more. And please consider a donation to support their important work. I know these people personally, and I love them dearly. Thank you for helping them do what they do. Welcome back to The Collision of Faith and Politics. Here again is Dr. Sean. 
So, you know, there we have it. By the way, it's lightning striking and pouring where I am. It's rain's been off and on here this this whole afternoon. Well, I don't think we're going to be hurting for water for about a few days. So, you know, I, I just I want to be clear on this. Some of you sent me messages. Uh, we got one from Finland. Uh, ironically, never served. Let's see. Never served. It's hard to make out. Never served in military, but wanted to. Couldn't. Too small. Well, I mean, you know, this doesn't sound like this person wanted to serve their country, but just couldn't. Didn't meet the criteria. Got to be, you know, uh, th this sounds pedantic and, and, and childish of me to say, but it, it, it actually rings true. You got to be a certain height to ride certain rides, and, and, and that's just how it is. I remember uh, I did this, uh, this obstacle course. I did many of them in the military, but I did this one particular. They said is so difficult that most people don't finish it within the allotted time, and they, they account for that. It's called fail rate. And so uh, they won't, you know, you don't pass this particular, uh, you know, area of study if you don't finish it. You've got to finish it. And you, but but if you you're extra special if you finish it under a certain period of time. But most of the people do not finish it, and then almost nobody. I think it's like uh, two or three percent finish it in the time allotted. So of course I wanted to do that course. I wanted to do the course. That's a, a, you know now I'm like okay and I got to do this. So you know the first two times I did it, you know when I first got there, you know I said well let's go let's let's get after it. And I didn't make it in the time. I finished it both times, but I didn't make it in the time. And there was no third time that day because I'm telling you, it whew, it rocked your world, rocked mine. It was only until the fifth day of being there that I actually completed it at the, I was one second below the, the, uh, the, the allotted time. So I did, I did finish it in time. And I was so beat so wiped out I, you know i couldn't be proud for like a week because i was sore i was hurting really really challenging and, and and uh but i loved it i loved it at the same time i loved it and uh the the instructor there was about four inches shorter than me and i said to him i said you know he was he was a squared away dude man five by five all the way around he was just really this dude was a squared away sailor he was straight up squared away man he was ready to rock and roll and uh not a guy you'd mess with but he was about four inches shorter than me and about then i was right around six four just under just a, a nick under six four i think it was 223 somewhere in that neighborhood so this guy was six feet six feet one i think six six feet or five i don't know which and uh i said you know how fast can you do it and he said it took me 10 times to pass to get the time and then uh, now I can only usually do it in about one to five seconds under when I do, you know, make this meet the standard. And I said, well, you're in unbelievable condition. I, I can't ever believe that. And if you're here all the time, you can do it all the time. What is it that stops you? He says, my height. He said, if I was two inches shorter, then I couldn't take this class because I'd be too short to take class because it is physically impossible to complete it in under that height. You know, you can't have a six foot ten fighter pilot. Would you like to know why? Because they don't have convertibles. 
I mean, we can make it a convertible. You pull that little handle or you pull that little loop above your head. We're going to make it convertible real quick. But you're not going to ride around town like that. You're going to get ejected at 100 feet per second. And hopefully that Martin Baker uh, ejection system, ejection seat, deploys the parachute and you land safely to Earth. But if you're 6'10", 6'8", you can't be a pilot. Too tall to ride. Newsflash, the reason they have height, weight standards in the military is because there are parameters of service. You've got to do it. So you say, well, you know, transgenders, I've never seen a whole lot of them. I haven't seen a whole lot of them, probably none. But Bruce Jenner, yeah, he, hey, Bruce Jenner, this this is how ridiculous it is that, that Kristen Beck, former Navy SEAL, now transgender, called out the president. And tell me, meet me face to face and tell me I'm not qualified. Well, I'm sorry to tell you, first of all, there's a lot of lying in that statement. There's also a, a uh, threat that doesn't belong. And that threat is, oh, yeah, you want to front with me? I don't care if you're the president. Go ahead, get in my face. Stupid. It's a stupid statement. And that tells you that you know, Kristen Beck is not quite with it. And when I met him, I'm going to say him because he still has his equipment. When I met him, on both occasions, the first time a little bit longer than the other, on both occasions, I thought, there's something not right with that guy. And I didn't know that he had been a Navy SEAL as a male. And I didn't go, oh, wow, that's impressive. I went, wow, I can't believe he got through the process and, you know, got through buds. I mean, physically, he, you know, obviously he was able to do it. He was a, he was a physical specimen. He was very, very physically fit. But I'm sorry to tell you that you know, looking at him now and how he behaved and uh, all of that, I thought, this guy's a little bit unhinged. Now, again, I'm not making a professional diagnosis. I'm just saying human being to human being. When I met him, I didn't think he was stable. So where do we go from here? What do we, you know, what do we do from here? The second time I met him, I thought, no better impression than the first time. I'd hope for more. And I'm not saying all transgenders, but I'm, but I'm just telling you, that's the wrong place. The military is the wrong place. I'm going to tell you else too. Look, New York City brags on having transgender police officers. It, law enforcement is the wrong place. Wrong place for Muslims, and it's the wrong place for transgenders. And I'll tell you why it's the wrong place for Muslims. And you may not like me, but I don't really care that much, unless you're my mom, in which case I do want you to like me. She already does. She says I'm special. She does air quotes when she says that. I'm not sure what that means. So, but I'm but I'm just going to tell you, if you're not positive about your sexuality, you don't need to be in a situation that demands your mind to be super clear and super, your mental acuity has to be super fast. Look, you, that's the wrong environment for you. I'm sorry. It, it, it's the wrong environment for you. You have no business being in that place. Look, I know of a transgender, I, I literally know of a transgender, I do know this person, who married, has children, uh, you know, the youngest was in early teens, the oldest was out of the house and about to get married. And he said, you know, he didn't, well, actually, he didn't say anything to anybody. He just started going to the doctor and getting, taking pills and, and uh, doing all the whatever, growing his hair, you know, wearing a little makeup, and little by little it progressed and he worked in a, a field that you just don't do that. You just don't do it. I, I, you know, you got this job as a man. 
Now, I know women that do that job. I'm not going to say what it is, but and do it well. But it's typically reserved for a man because it's hard work. It's heavy, heavy lifting. It's a lot of back, back breaking work. But the fact of the matter is, is for too long, starts growing breasts. Skin's super soft. Hair's all of a sudden different and girl-like. Starts growing his nails and then painting his nails. And the employer's like, I don't know what's going on here, but I don't know what to do. I don't want to get sued. Thank God the guy quit. After years and years of service, you say, well, if he was giving good service, you know, if he was, you know, to work every day and doing, but no, everything was declining, but huge mistakes were happening because he saw bound up on, I really want to be a woman. I really want to wear women's clothes. I really want to date a man. I'm a man. I'm not gay, but once I become a woman, I want to date a man. That's gay. But I don't care what you call it. The bottom line is there's no place for that going on in law enforcement or in military service. I'm sorry. It's not unloving, it's not unkind, and it's certainly not hate speech. It is a fact. And that's very, very easy for a college kid or kids never been in that environment, that highly kinetic environment, to say, well, I mean, that's hateful, and that's wrong, and that's very, very closed-minded. Well, that's great that you want to say that, but it doesn't fit reality. And the reality of it is, until you've been in that situation, you don't know what works and what doesn't work. You just know your facts are based only on feelings. And that, my friends, is wrong. You don't know what you don't know until you realize you don't know it. And when you realize you don't know it, people die. The bodies hit the floor. And you just can't have that. My friends, you can't have it. You can't. By the way, let me just say this. I like all uh, you guys had some good suggestions here. Um, some say that they were they some sent them to me. They didn't want me to read them on the air. I don't know why, because they're really good ideas. But I'm going to respect your wishes and and not read them on the air. But a lot of emails here, people all over the place. And there's some really, really good ones. I'm going to work on them, see if they'll allow me. But I think the winners, Jerry from Pennsylvania and uh and our friends from uh, Craig and Louise from New York, I think you are winning. I think you are winning. I think it's it's a standoff. It's a tie. But we've got some other good ones. But I have pretty good stuff here. Pretty good stuff. And I appreciate it. No doubt about it. Keep sending them in. Keep sending them in. Don't don't hesitate. I'm, you know, I'll always be glad to receive them. I want you to listen to this right quick. Just give this a quick lesson. I'll be out to close the show. Be right back. Close the show. Folks, as we wrap up today's show, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to listen and share this show. Uh, and also, I want to remind you to visit our partners, thelogox.com, Lieberman Early, Second Call Defense, and the Michael Strange Foundation. And I'd like you to please subscribe to The Ninja Pastor at www.theninjapastor.com. Please consider a donation of $50 and receive my newsletter plus a signed book that I wrote called Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, and my ebook Living Through Grief on Purpose, sent right to your inbox. In addition to the newsletter and books, donations above $500 receive all of the above, and they receive my personalized bound and signed book of all my favorite photographs that I've shot 
uh, that to me really reveal God's glory in nature and affirm much of what we discuss here at the Ninja Pastor. Lastly, I want you to remember that I reach over 1.4 million listeners with every time I'm on the radio reach of over 500,000 people each time I host this show. And if you'd like to reach people who share your values and who you would like to buy uh, from like-minded companies, please contact me at theninjapastor.com and to discuss any sponsorship or partnership opportunities. Thanks again so much for listening, and God bless you, and God bless America. Welcome back to The Collision of Faith and Politics. Here again is Dr. Sean. As we close, I want to thank you again for listening. I want to remind you that this show is dedicated to Navy SEAL Mark Allen Lee and his mom, Debbie Lee, and their family. First Navy SEAL killed in Iraq. And then I also want you to think on Saturday. I want you to put it in your phone or on your written calendar if you like paper. I want you to remember the families and the war fighters that died in Extortion 17. We must never, ever forget. Join us next time for The Collision of Faith and Politics. And please follow this show at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash The Ninja Pastor. And follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at The Ninja Pastor and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio and at www. DrSeanGreener.com In the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining in this fight.